Hello and welcome to Real Talk, a real estate podcast that is focused on the people who work in this industry. My name is Harvey Coker with the Oxford Street Partners real estate team at Cascade Hassan Sotheby's International Realty in Vancouver, Washington, and I'm so excited to bring this podcast to you. Each week, I will be speaking with different agents and people in the industry to hear all about them, who they are, their experiences, their stories, why they do what they do, and how they are adapting to an ever-changing landscape. Through the incredible Sotheby's network, Julie Holter has developed a fantastic business model which aligns perfectly with the brand. Living in Lake Oswego, just outside of Portland, Julie has connected with Sotheby's agents all over the country and is a leader in showing what can be achieved through the utilization of our global referral network. Okay, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thanks thank you for having for, me. Thank you for making some time yeah. in, in your beautiful home. Thank you. Which, uh, Show me around. It looks fantastic. The Thank stuff you. you've done here is incredible. Thank you. Uh, you've been here a couple of years now? Yeah, since 2019. Yeah. What was yeah. it about this house that, um, that attracted you to this place when you bought it? You know what's interesting that you asked that? I had shown this property to 12 potential clients. You know, I was a brand new agent pretty much, and I, was, I thought this was an amazing piece of property. And I said, you're crazy to not buy this. And then one day I was sitting there and I thought, well, why don't I buy it? I mean, <laughs> duh. You know, so that's how I ended up here. Did they buy something great as well, or uh, what happened there? Not quite as great as mine. Not quite as great. <laughs> <laughs> I think I won the prize. <laughs> no, I got them placed in properties that best suited them, but I just thought the opportunity in first edition was really phenomenal. Yeah. You know, the, with all the changes, once Wisers sold their property and they built the Wyndham, which is right next to the Lake Oswego mm-hmm. office. I mean, I could walk there if I wanted to. I never do, yeah. but I could. <laughs> and just, you know, the, the the vibe of this neighborhood is so relaxed and you almost have to be to live this close to each other yeah there's not a lot of secrets here in first edition i mean i can basically hear my neighbors toasting their toast and brewing their coffee in the morning at times you know but it's a great neighborhood just to it's really walkable and there's quite a bit to do especially in the summer you get to know your neighbors very quickly that's for sure yes Yes, you you do do. (laughs) uh okay let's jump right in okay how's your year been so far how have you seen this year uh going so far it's you know personally i felt it very up and down week by Mm -hmm. week almost you know bunch of buyers out one week the next week yeah. Not so much. Yeah. Um, how have you felt so far this year? Uh, you know, we're really, I feel that we're, we've, sh- the market has shifted as of about June of last year when the interest rates took a big jump, right? That w- it was almost like we should have all just taken the month of July off. It was literally night and day. It was the next day knowing what to look at. How. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of like when somebody tells you, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> I, need to, I need to part ways, you know, but really that's where champions are made. Yeah. So instead of chasing the dream of 2020, 2021, parts of 2022, we've shifted from a market of speed Mm -hmm. to that of skill. And so I'm really looking forward to this because I'm having to recalibrate my mindset. And I think we all have that, okay, there's a lot more strategy involved. It's not just being fast and being the first and, you know, put, put an aggressive offer in or get your property on the market as quickly as possible. We're back to being true, polished, professional agents again yeah not that we haven't been it's just been like drinking water from a fire hose so i'm enjoying this it's funny you say that because um i have two examples from the last two weeks and Mm -hmm. one of my clients went to see a house he's under contract for it Mm -hmm. but a house was priced per square foot of the rest of the homes in that area Mm -hmm. and it was nothing like those homes at all it was completely overpriced and unsurprisingly he's got it i think 25k below list price because it was on the market for a couple of weeks seller was freaking out got an offer took it um, which is great. And then I walked into a house yesterday in a great neighborhood mm-hmm. that is on a, I would say, 
55, 60 degree driveway angle. And then you have about 15 feet of backyard and then double the size of that, but another 65 degree backyard angle with a shed at the top of the hill. Oh, that'll be fun wheeling a whirl up to that. As you walk into that house and it just smells like nothing's been cleaned for 50 years. The carpets need doing, everything he's doing. It's so much smaller. Mm-hmm. How that thing needs is priced where it is, it's about 100000 overpriced right now. Wow. And that thing's going to sit for a while. Right. So I, th- I think you're completely right. I think it's all about skill and strategy here. And it's no longer about these are the three or four basic factors that are coming into play. Right. Everything is so important with pricing. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. I always tell my sellers, you know, look at your property as you would a buyer. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and sometimes I'll even take my sellers out to look at property that I know is overpriced. And I'll say, what'd you think? Well, it's overpriced. Okay. Well, what, if you liked this property, how would you want to offer on it? Well, I would do this. And, and they give me this really aggressive answer. And I say, okay, this is exactly what a buyer's going to do if we overprice your property. That's interesting. I don't think I've ever spoken to someone who takes their sellers to properties. Yeah. Have you done that quite a lot? Yeah. 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 I do. That's very interesting. I think that's great. And I'm really open with the agents as well. I say, look, you know, my, my seller's putting their property on the market. I'm doing this as a little bit of an exercise. If I think that a seller is really going to, ha- you know, stand their ground on what they think is the right strategy to sell their property for the highest pos- yeah. possible price, you know. And I've, the, I've never yeah. heard of that one. Yeah. I think that's great. I'm going to have all sorts of little no, that's a nuggets whole for you yeah, today. Yeah, there's a bunch of nuggets <laughs> on the way. I like it. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah. So the year's been kind of up and down. It has. What do you think uh, is going to be coming the rest of the year? I think it's going to be more of the same. You know, we're, we're certainly seeing a slight uptick in inventory, uh, but there's still quite a few buyers, very well-qualified buyers out there. So, you know, the, again, I'm so sorry, my puppy. <laughs> we're at my house and so my dog's here. Um, I just think it's, you know, it's going to be a good year. Yeah. It's been a great year, but, again, it's, you know, we're back to working longer hours with different results if you will and again i'm i'm here for it yeah i think that again it's strategy it's being mindful it's really looking at all the data the rest (laughs) of the year ahead um i think like you said it's going to be a very interesting time and i'm actually i'm glad that it's kind of happened the way it's happened um in the sense of i think we had so many new agents join us in that mm-hmm. crazy period. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people saw it as an opportunity to go make a lot of money very quickly. Yeah, and a lot of agents did. And which good they for did, them. and that's great. Yeah. And now and they I hope realize they... the work it takes. Right, right. I mean, it's not that easy, right? Yeah. It's like, it's, um, you know, if you treat this business like a transaction, mm-hmm. it, and that's great. I know a lot of agents that have very successful businesses, if you will, that are transactional based. Mm-hmm. And I'm more of a relationship based agent. And that's really where I think the agents are going to shine in this more normalized market. 100%. Is every single client that I'm working with right now are clients that either I've worked with already before in just under six years, which I find to be interesting, but also logical, right? <laughs> and, and also it's, you know, that I've been nurturing and creating a relationship with them for at least a year or longer. And now it's, it's time. And so it's a lot of that, you know, my daughter said once when she was younger, she says, my mom doesn't even really work. All she does is talk to people on the phone. All she does is talk to people on the phone. All she does is go to, you know, coffee and meetings. And I don't really see her working. Well, that is work. That is work. That yeah. is work. And, you know, so treating your business like you would any other relationship that you value and, tr- and you know, and you want to trust that person that you want them to trust you, mm-hmm. you really need to put in some time. You yeah. Know? I, I think it's evident also with um, relationships with clients from last year who 
I have four on my books who couldn't get into a property right. last year. Right. Whether it was the still the manic fest that we saw in the first six months. Correct. Or the slowdown, but sellers still want a number in the second six months. Right. Because I know right. for us, that was a, that was a big deal. And we turned down like, four listings in two months mm -hmm. at that point because of the unrealistic expectations. Right. Um, I actually canceled, I canceled a listing appointment today for okay. exactly that. For that, exactly yeah. that. Yeah, about 12 phone calls. And, you know, you just get a, a gut feeling about someone yeah. and you realize this might not be a really great strategic partnership merge to work with this person. Because that's what it is. It's a partnership. It is. And um, I think that's lost a lot of the time, you know, just how much of a partnership it is. It's not, I have the house, you're coming for my business. It's also, hey, what we bring to the table too. Right. Does and my way of business speak to your, does this, does this feel good to you? Yeah. Does this make sense to you? Does this seem reasonable to you? And if the answer is no to any of those, after you've explained it, if they're still not on board, then, you know, you're going to be pushing a rock up a hill, like that property that you... <laughs> Absolutely, literally up the hill. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, when you invest that much time and energy and money of, you know, prior to even closing on a listing, for an example, I don't want to throw good money at, at something bad, and and neither should, my neither should my clients, because eventually it will end up costing them more money in the end. Yeah, you know, because particularly in the way the market's changed, if your property sits on the market for a period of time here, mm -hmm. you have a black mark next to that property, right. and that's a struggle. Well, they wonder point. what's wrong with it. What's wrong? Why, you know, why are people not buying this house? Right. Let's go get a great deal. You're going to see offers a hundred thousand below list price at that point. Yeah, it's just like dating. You look at somebody and you think, "Gosh, you seem really great." You know, why are you single? <laughs> you know, remember that question later. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, I used this example last year. So early summer, there was one in Washu, uh, no, sorry, Woodland, mm -hmm. just north of Vancouver. And it was a three-level home. Primary bedroom was on the upper level. You entered in on the main level in the middle. Yeah. And if the primary bedroom was on the middle level, you could sell that thing for 1.2. Mm -hmm. With it being on the upper level, it's 900000 mm -hmm. all day long. Right. I was very honest. Mm -hmm. And I Good. said, look, you could list it at a million because you, the windows you have, the view you have, the territorial view, the kitchen, but it's also Woodland, not Vancouver. It's a different market. Right. She was like, I want 1.5. It doesn't exist. It's never going to happen. Another agent came in, said, yeah, yeah, I agree. But she showed, and she told me, and she sent oh, me the comp the list. Oh, the yes man. She said yes to yeah. the yes man. The, the comp list that that agent brought in, I asked the seller, could she provide it to me? Because... If I'm missing something right, out wanna there, know. I want to know. Yeah. And she was pulling comps from different parts of Southwest Washington, not Woodland in particular. It's not yeah. comps at that point. Put it on the market at 1.5. Sat on the market for nearly four months. Sold it at 900,000. Oh, exactly what you said. Exactly what we said at that point, which I think if they'd listed at a million, they would have got much closer to a million based right. on that. But you see it at 1.5. People aren't even going to go look at it. Well, shoot, yeah, you overshoot your shot. Oh, and, and, and I think that's what's so interesting because, you know, obviously within Sotheby's International Realty, we're really big on referrals. Mm -hmm. And it's so important, not to segue, but I guess I am. <laughs> I see some of these referrals come through, and it's not even for that agent's primary market. And that's great. You know, it's their, a person that they trust, an agent that they like, but is that truly the agent's primary market that they really know? Right, because if I'm going to recommend someone to a client, if they're going to a new market, I've, I purchased in the last two years in a market that I, I knew fairly well, but it's different when you're buying, right? It's that pit in your stomach. You want to yeah. make sure that you're making a good decision. 
I worked with an, with my partner there, my agent there, that I absolutely trust 100 percent, and and I know that he knows that market inside and out. If I recommended someone to a client and they, that was not their primary market and that exact situation happened, I would feel terrible. Terrible. Yeah. I just passed one on yesterday. So I have a client who's looking in the 1-2 to 1-4 range in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. His brother called me yesterday, and um, that client was actually referred to me from Jenna Hassan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, his brother called me yesterday, and their cousin has a big piece of property in Moses Lake. Mm-hmm. Now, I know for a fact that they pretty much just want to sell it to a developer. Right. That they're fine with that, right. but they want someone to represent them. I know for a fact I could go online and do all the research I need to do, Right. and there's probably a hefty commission check in that selling it to a sure. developer, but I passed it on yesterday because I don't live in Moses Lake. I don't right. live anywhere near Moses right. Lake. Right. Why would I be the best person to right. represent them in that transaction? Because right. that's what it is. You're, you want someone who has your best interest. Right. If not, it's going to be bad in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and that's where we're, again, going back to, you know, this market and where it's normalizing, if you will. It's, yeah. You know, integrity, knowing your market, having the data, because previously the data didn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, seller's data didn't make sense. Buyer's data didn't make sense, but, but properties were selling. It was a crazy time. Yeah. It was a really crazy time. Crazy time. Yeah. So let's go to the start of the crazy time for you. Sure. Your journey in real estate. Tell me about it. Why, how and why did you get into this industry? Oh, I apologize because a lot of people have heard this a million times, but this will be your first. I haven't, <laughs> so I want to hear it. So I was in the uh, salon industry for 22 years prior to getting into real estate. I had a business partner and was a hairdresser. Great run. Loved it. My body and my hands decided I just, it was time. It was time for something more, not as physically challenging. And my family has always invested in commercial real estate. So my father, his three brothers, and my grandfather. And so growing up, you know, all the the boys, excuse me, the boys, if you will, my dad and my three uncles, had their own businesses, all entrepreneurial family. Um, But then they would uh, invest in commercial real estate buildings together and so every family get together with the four uncles, the four aunts, the 10 cousins, you know, the women were in the kitchen. It was very traditional. Women were in the kitchen. Kids were downstairs in the basement playing or outside. And my dad and his brothers, my grandfather, were always at the table talking about escalation clause rental agreements and, you know, contracts and things like that. So I would eavesdrop because I thought it was really interesting Um you know, in between playing with my cousins and things. And so it always really interested me because I saw over and over and over again how my parents would create this amazing situation, you know, matching properties with these large companies. And they always did it with so much integrity. I didn't realize that's what I was witnessing at that time. But now as an adult, I I look back and I think, man, it was really a a great um, imprinting experience for me. To see that you know you can do big business and you can operate at a very high level and you have to operate at a high level with integrity, otherwise yeah. it just doesn't work. Isn't it wild how um, we look back as as adults at when we were kids and realize what we picked up and how we picked it up? Yeah, the good and the bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's always good and yeah. bad. Yeah, always good and bad. So, so when it was time for me to think, you know, to get into a new career, I had always thought about getting into real estate, but then it was time. So, in mm-hmm. uh, Q4 of 2017 was when. After the third attempt of studying for the test and actually following through, I did it. I retired from my uh, salon business. I, you know, sold my business. 
and made sure that my clients were well taken care of. You know, I checked in with them and um, then segued into this. Interesting. Yeah. So how was that first year or two? Well, it was very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. You know, on a, on a personal note, um, just to be really generalized about it, my daughter, who at the time was in her early teens, um, there was a significant situation that happened that was horrific. And so six weeks after I got my license, I was thrown into a completely different world that I was not prepared for as a mother. And so having that essentially a f- absolute crisis on my hands, and I didn't know how to do this, this, this job. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know how to fill out a contract. I didn't know how to look at properties, but I knew people and I knew that I could build a relationship with them. And so I had to really show up there for my daughter and deal with a lot of legal legality things. And... Um, realize that, you know, I have no control over my personal life right now. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the best that I can, but I can control my, my work. Yeah. And so really this career in many ways saved me. Sure. I mean, I went into shock. It was, it was crazy. I lost 30 pounds in 30 days and I'm not one of those girls like, Oh, I'm so busy. I forgot to eat. No, no, no. Never forget. <laughs> but I was, it was so stressful and you know, she's okay now. That's, mm-hmm. that's the only reason why I can talk about it. Cause it was, it's a happy ending. Yeah. But to be thrown into an absolute crisis situation when you're already at a really high level of challenge professionally, you have to make a choice. Either you're going to crumple up in the corner and fall apart and then become a barista, which no offense to baristas, they're very important people. But that wasn't what my my goal was. Yep. I, you know, I wanted to show my daughter that if you commit yourself to yourself and you work really hard and you're good to people and you don't fall apart, you can have a minute, you know, feel sorry for yourself, cry in the corner. But the only way to really get yourself out of a really bad situation, if you're able to, is to work really hard and be smart and save yourself. No one else is going to save you. Nobody. No one's going to save you. And I think this industry is so much about um, how you can persevere and how you can adapt. Mm -hmm. And I, I would put a lot of money on the fact that nothing comes close to that challenge so that when something difficult comes up now, you probably look at it and say, it's not as hard as that was back then. Yeah, you We're know, be I, okay. it's funny. I never thought about it that way. You know, as a hairdresser in my previous career, you see clients every four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of the same clients that I started with in the beginning of my career. Their hair got much better towards the end, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> uh, you know, as my skills improve, right? Yeah. But what I didn't realize is that, you know, you essentially grow up with these people. And so you watch their kids go through school and you experience all those different phases of people's life and then they go to college and they get married and they buy their first home and then you know your client's parents pass away or your clients pass away i mean it's life unfolds in front of you in every four to six week increments Mm -hmm. a lot changes in four to six weeks but it really quite frankly stays the same and when you're seeing between 12 and 24 people a day you get a lot of like life experience just through observation so that was really interesting and i used to think oh my gosh people have so many problems and they do we all do. Everyone does. Even the people that look like they have it all together. Those are the ones that are really working the hardest to keep hold down the fort, if you will. Yeah. And so it put into perspective for me that, you know, if, if a deal is going sideways or there's a miscommunication or, you know, there's a, a hurdle that we have to get over, none of this is life or death. Yeah. There are real problems out there that, you know, I can't help truly my clients with, but I can help smooth over anything with this. And it does help because it puts things in perspective. 100%. The perspective is huge in uh, our industry. It's everything. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Um, we were talking earlier about mm-hmm. boundaries. 
Yeah, love them. Yeah, love them. So, uh, <laughs> what boundaries do you set, and how do you set them? Because I've had a lot of these conversations recently with people, um, because we are back at a stage where um, you're either working on your business or you're working in it. A lot of people right now are working on their business, and they mm-hmm. are, you know, nurturing those those relationships. And it's not really about too much what's happening right now, but again, six months down the line, twelve months down the line. And I've, I struggle with it sometimes right now too, you know, the balance of, oh, geez, I've been working for three hours straight here and it's 9 p.m. at this point. Right. Well, you shouldn't do you that. You shouldn't be doing that at that point. And sometimes don't, it gets away from you. Exactly. Now, <laughs> I'm in a period in my life where I can be a bit more selfish here. You know, I've got my puppy who needs going on walks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the team that I work with, you know, Lee has three kids. I try and take stuff away in the evenings if I can take it away from them. Sure. Because right now I'm in a position where I can. Right. And I know that won't always be the way. Right. But um, but how do you go about it? How do you go about setting your boundaries and what boundaries do you set? Well, first off, I think you need to start with setting boundaries with your own personal self and in your own personal life. And, and that's a practice. It's a daily practice. And really, boundaries are just another example of, of loving yourself mm-hmm. and loving your clients enough that, you know, if, if we burn out, we're no good to anyone. Right. And we've all had periods of our life where that's a real thing. And sometimes it's unavoidable, but you can mitigate risk with that. Um, you know, I, I go by the philosophy of I want to be in demand, but I'm not on demand. Mm-hmm. You don't get to snap your fingers at me and I jump. And that's, I, I have to do that. If it, This business can be, a, it is a marathon at times at a sprint pace. And so if you really want to survive, you know, you've got to pace yourself. And so some of the boundaries that I set is, you know, at listing appointments, for example, um, when I ask them, do you have any questions for me? You know, and they'll say, well, what can I expect from you? I said, well, if it's an emergency, I do not answer, unless it's an emergency, I don't answer my phone after 7 p.m. I think that's more than generous. Typically, you know, if I'm making dinner here, and, you know, my daughter's in college, so, again, I have an opportunity as well. It's got a little time. <laughs> and uh, if I'm making dinner, yeah, I'll take a call or two, you know, just to wrap up the day. But I'm not answering a call from an agent at, you know, 8.30 at night, 7.30 at night, unless it's truly an emergency. And I'm the one that gets to decide if it's an emergency or not. It, it can wait. Again, this is not life or death. It yep. can wait. Uh, so, you know, really scaling my time. Um, I do struggle with making enough time for myself Mm -hmm. but you know time blocking throughout the day is really helpful and and really identifying what I'm best at and how I do it and then you know scaling scaling from that yeah that's an interesting one because I know I've done a bit of a deep dive in the last six months of what am I good at what am I not good at Mm -hmm. and I need to either get a lot better at the stuff I'm not good at or I need to delegate in some way, shape, or form. Oh, delegation is fantastic. But, you know, you, when, you know, you think about it. Somebody asked me the other day, how much did you sell last year? And I told them, and I don't really get too big into the numbers, but, you know, when you're running a, essentially an annual multi-million dollar business and you're a one-woman show, that's a lot. I mean, yes, I have a lot of support staff. You know, I've got amazing title people. I've got fantastic managers within the company that are always really helpful for us. You know, I have a transaction coordinator, but I don't have an assistant. And I've, I realized that the reason why I wasn't successful with having an assistant is because I didn't have written down every single step that I do. And that is, I think, absolutely essential because when it's always up in your head, you can't keep track of it. And you can't teach somebody else how to do that. So that's what I'd really, what I've really worked on in the last 
six months or so. Do you think you'll go down the assistant route? Oh, I need one so badly. <laughs> so, yeah, I do. And I, I could actually use two assistants. It would be great. A personal assistant to manage my personal life, yeah. and then that, you know, that'd be handled. And a professional assistant, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. well, uh, I'm hiring. Job, job open. <laughs> Anyone's interested? Uh, there's a job open for both right there. <laughs> I'm really nice. No. <laughs> yeah. So, no, um, I'd love to have an assistant. I'd love to take someone on that would like to learn from, from me, and essentially I could learn from them as well. Yeah. You know, it's a great business for any young woman or, to get into. I think it's such a such a good learning curve when you are partnered up with someone who has been doing it for a while. I think it's a huge, it's so important to find the personality match. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I know Lee, I came on board with Lee very start of 2019. I'd been working in new construction for six months and I learned a lot in the first couple of months, but I knew there was no growth there at all. Right. They're um, coming to you. Yeah. They're well, they're to coming you. to you because you're just the vessel. They're coming because of the product. Exactly. Yeah. Had nothing to do with me. Right. You know, it was it was the product. I just happened to be in there at that time. Right. And, you know, people want to work in and just kind of do new construction. That's totally fine for me. That wasn't a good fit. Um, but Lee had spoken to three or four different people that, in 2018 about joining on with him at mm-hmm. the time. He felt like none of them were a good fit. We both knew within two minutes that it was going to be a good fit. Yeah. Very, you know, over a beer at a pub, that's what you do. Right. And uh, very quickly we realized it was going to be a good personality fit. Right. So I think, that, I think that's hugely important. Yeah. Um, in terms of our company, how have you felt since the merger last year? You know, no one's asked me that yet. Interesting. I love it. I was excited. I really was. I was really, really happy to hear that we were creating this partnership and this merger. Yeah. You know, our our family, essentially our Sotheby's International Realty family, doubled in size. We were already yeah. one of the largest brokerages. Now we're huge. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, there's a lot of opportunity. You know, um, Mike Hassan was a huge pillar of this community. Mm-hmm. He was a wonderful man. He was actually my neighbor. Oh, and, I, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he yeah. lived in this neighborhood. And uh, I would tell him, I'd see him at the gym, you know, on occasion when I was first getting into real estate. And he said, I'd really like you to come talk to my office. And I said, you know, I would, but I really want to be with an international company. Mm-hmm. I said, if if that this did not exist, I would 100% do whatever it took to come work for you. Mm-hmm. And so this was the perfect match. Because I think integrity-wise, you know, style-wise of how he created his brokerage, very similar to what Sotheby's has done, just on a different level. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's been a um, pretty good match. Yeah. I, I, think don't, I don't think it could have been a better match, to be perfectly Agreed. honest. And um, I've, I've enjoyed it. I think the, the from the, coming from the Hassan side, it's been... Oh, yeah. Let me ask you. Uh, Harvey, <laughs> the interviewee is going to interview you. So how do you feel about it? I love it. Coming from the um, other side. The downside, the only downside for me is I'm not that tech savvy. So getting used to the processes has been a bit of a challenge sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm very OCD about my organization. Good. and having Isn't things that kind in, of the same thing? Kind of, but I'm like, <laughs> if it's not completely there, I, I hate it. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. So um, it's been interesting trying to figure out the best processes for using certain things as well. Because you can right. go and use things. And I learn by... Doing. doing. I don't learn by watching. So when mm-hmm. you get the instruction manual and everything, it just looks like gibberish to me. Right. So I, 
I bugged the marketing department for a long time. Good. And we spent a lot of hours talking through sometimes the same thing we talked about before that's a couple okay. of times. They're um, used to it. They're used to it. <laughs> but a- that's something that I, that I love about this merger as well. You know, I love the culture and, at Hassan and I felt the culture from day one. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough to meet Mike twice. Mm-hmm. And the first time I met him, I don't think he said more than about 10 words. Probably didn't Because need to. all he wanted to do was learn about who you are. Yeah. That's all he ever wanted. Yeah, I just, such a good And guy. I walked away, and it was only a 10-minute conversation. But I walked away from that and thinking, that guy's amazing. And he didn't really say much. Yeah. You know, and, and that was a great feeling. That was a great feeling. Um, he was And then the, I met him again. Best. He was the best. I met him he again was. at um, uh, a charity walk that uh, some of the brokers were doing. And again, I was there with him and Steve Sully, and mm-hmm. we were on the walk. Uh, that might have been one of the best 45 minutes to an hour that I've spent with a group of people at that point. It was just fireworks everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I think the support that has come with this merger for us, because I'm terrible at marketing stuff by myself. I'm terrible at social media graphics. I'm terrible at all that kind of stuff. You're not terrible. It's just not it's your not time thing, best but spent. It's, that's the thing there. Like yeah. I can do it. But it takes such a long time for right. me to do it. Right. Being able to outsource that stuff to other people, I feel, has really helped me push into yeah. into the other it's side the of the business. It's the ultimate in delegation. Yeah. Let the experts do what they're, yeah, that's what they're best good at. at. Yeah, and then yeah. it frees up your time to best serve your client. Yeah. I feel like if you put me in a room with a client and you know, six, seven agents came in, everyone got 20 minutes, I'd back myself <laughs> a lot of times. But if you said, go create this, and do this, whatever it is for marketing, I'd say, how long have I got? Two weeks, three weeks? Right. Kind of thing. Right. And oh, someone else can do it in two hours. Yeah. And you go ahead. Right. And uh, I, I think will pay you. A, I'll pay you to do it if I have to at that point. But <laughs> a lot of that stuff comes with comes with our marketing department. And right. Well, CEOs don't do everything. CEOs that don't do everything. They don't do everything. No. They, they hire the best people for that portion of, the, of exactly. what it takes to execute. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Does anyone think I'm going to be editing this podcast by myself? There's no chance. Why? Zero chance. How could you do that? I, there's no way. Yeah. Um, so I think my, I think ultimately Mike, he knows what's going on. Oh, 100. You know, he's he's proud. Yeah, I, you know, I, and I the, think so. And the fact that his daughter got a uh, you know broker of agent of the year through yeah. uh, PMR, I mean, that was incredible. What a great moment. Yeah. That was really fun to watch her. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really proud. I think I think it was amazing. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was very impressive. I think. One of the great things has been the, like you said, the network. I had knee surgery end of January. First six weeks, I was either at physical therapy or I was talking to another Sotheby's agent in another state in another part of the country. Great. And some of the stuff I've learned from them has been incredible. Isn't it interesting? And it's so interesting. Yeah. So interesting. Um, it's also made me feel more valuable, too, because I've realized that I've taught other people things as well, mm-hmm. which I've been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, what, nearly five years, mm-hmm. something like that. There are days where I still feel like a newbie. Oh, absolutely. I don't know about you, but there are days where I sit there and think, <laughs> do I even know what's going on right now? What is happening today? That kind what's of thing. Happening? <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, go on, I go on a Zoom and I've got five people picking my brain about stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is great. And the collaboration has been unbelievable so far. Right. And I, think it, I think as well, we're, in, we're so early on. In this module too, it's less than a year in. Right. I think we're just going to go strength to strength. See, and I keep forgetting that you're newer to the brand. Yeah. So when I started in real estate, I 
courted, if you will, every, nearly every single brokerage in town because I didn't know what questions to ask. And so by about the 15th interview, <laughs> if you will, I thought, ah, I'm kind of getting an idea here of what I'm supposed to be asking and yeah. what they're asking of me. I mean, I already knew who I was at that time. And I've, I feel like as a person, I've grown exponentially because when you're challenged, that's where the growth happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so when I was introduced to Sotheby's International Realty, I had asked a very trusted person who's, who's a, he's a mortgage broker and he was my neighbor. And I said to him, his name's Larry. And I said, Larry, we're not neighbors anymore, but we kept in touch, you know, and I really adored his now. Oh, yeah, Larry. Larry Wisher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I met Larry. Yeah. I met Larry at what I think it was the Pearl Office yeah, event. So, uh, so I met Larry when I moved into my very first detached single family home. I was seven months pregnant with my daughter. <laughs> and his son, who now is graduated from college, was running around on his little trike in the oh, yeah. street. And so I met Larry and his, his late wife, Kelly. She's passed away last year. It's terrible. And they're two kids. And in fact, his daughter and I share the same birthday, which is kind of fun, too. I know. All these, all these little strange things. That go on. And so Larry and I would basically have that, uh, I don't even remember, what is it, Tool Time, that TV show, you know, where the neighbor would talk to him over the fence? Oh, that TV with, show, uh, American TV show. Tim, Tim Allen? Correct. Yeah. And so, you know, we would talk back and forth, and we had this really great friendship. And so I really have always respected Larry a great deal, not just in how he runs his business, but how he navigated within his family and how well-adjusted and happy his family was. I mean, I was his neighbor. I was right there. So I called him, and I said, Larry, I'm, I finally did it. I, I passed the test. I'm, I'm doing this. Who do, you, who do you think I should talk to? And he said, oh, you got to go talk to my girl, Dory. She's, she's the best. So I did, and I knew that I wanted to be part of this brand. And I basically said to her when we were meeting, I said, look, the way I see it is, you know, I know you really don't hire new agents. And I, and I get why. It's, this is a huge international company. It's one of the largest in the world, if not the largest. And quite frankly, you can either invest in me now when I don't have clients and I, you know, I'm learning, you can teach me from the ground up, or you're going to have to pay quite a bit more to lure me in once I'm established. So I think I'll just let you decide. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, and it seemed to work. So I knew I wanted to be a part of this brand straight, straight away. Mm-hmm. And so when I did start with the company, I really, I, I realized the power of this brand and how you could leverage it. And I don't believe in fake it till you make it at all. I don't believe in that one bit. I think that you do things that are really scary to you and, and you, you know, you don't fake it. Just say what you know and say that you'll find out what you need to know to tell clients later. But I believe in study it until you become it because what resonates with you is what will stay. And this brand has brought me so many opportunities. And I have had the pleasure of working for and with clients and other agents who are insanely successful and smart and insightful. And the one key element that I keep seeing over and over and over again is that these successful people are positive, they're happy, they make a difference in their communities, they want to be part of a solution, they're not whiners, they're not complainers, they are the doers. They're, and, and I just am so grateful because that's who I want to surround myself with every day. And I get to do that. Yeah. And it's really an incredible opportunity. I, I love the way you describe that. Because I was talking to Matt Brown. And when we sat down, Matt, um, he met Mike too. And then he came to check out the, the Hassan office. 
and he'd been at a couple of different ones and you know he'd walk in and he'd see you know, there's people at desks or whatever and then he came into the Hassan office <coughs> and some, the first person he saw came up to him and said hi I'm so and so nice to meet you how you doing and just they engaged in this like 20 minute conversation mm-hmm. and I felt the exact same way when I first went into the Hassan office and then we merged and we had our first sales office mm-hmm. meeting and it was at the 6th street Hassan office or old, old Hassan office and some Cascade Sotheby's people came in as well. And they were just firing off from from minute one. And I yeah. just sat there and went, yeah, this is this perfect. Is this yeah. is perfect. <laughs> these like, are this, my people. This, this is the one. Yeah, this these are our perfect. people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've been really excited about the merger. I think it's great. I think yeah. that, you know, with G&E coming up next week, it will be a great opportunity for the previous Hassan agents to really get a scope of how incredible this brand is. And if you can imagine over 3,000 really type A, really outgoing, insanely successful agents all in one room, I mean. Nothing better than that. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. I think yeah. for us as well, um, I'm going to GE. I can't wait to go to GE. I think this is going to be our first experience of how big this is. Because it's next level. It's next level. You, you know, we work in our industries a mm-hmm. lot of time. Um, I know there was a T&E, there was a Texas Net- yeah, networking event. I know mm-hmm. you went to that as well. Mm-hmm. Lee went down to that too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I, I think this is going to be the first real opportunity for a lot of us that have come from the Hassan side to experience the scale of this Correct. company here. Correct. And yes, I've talked to agents everywhere in the last couple of months and it's been great. But again, I don't think you're really going to, uh, that's when it's going to set in. That's yeah. when it's going to, you're going to be an old boy. This is bigger than I ever imagined at this right. point. Right. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. That's right. Yeah. It's going to be It's going to be okay. It's going to be great. It's going to be okay. It's going to be great. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. But yeah. I don't know why I'm going for six days. I think that's a mistake. Uh, six days in Vegas. Yeah. I'm not sure about that's that. It's for your boundaries portion of your well, self-regulation so is going to be really helpful. I'm, uh, yeah. I, there's certain, I wasn't going to go until the Sunday. Um, but something I've always wanted to do is go to Vegas for a fight night. And there's a, oh, cool. there's a boxing fight on on the Saturday night at the okay. T-Mobile Arena. So I'm going to that. Oh, cool. But so to go to that, I had to go find Saturday afternoon. Right. And then Sunday, I'm booked from 9 a.m. till 10 p.m. in different events that you sign up for. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Monday, things start kicking into gear. And you've got Tuesday and Wednesday. Right. Um, and then I've got some podcast stuff set up on the Thursday as well. Mm-hmm. There's a couple more little events. Thankfully, Thursday is going to be a lot quieter. It's going to be a bit of decompression. You'll need it. Yeah. Um, before we fly back in Friday. Good. But uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Good. That's I'll, a lot of Vegas, Harvey. It's a lot of Vegas. I don't, lot think, of Vegas. I don't even know if we're going to see the strip or see a casino or see anything. I think yeah. it's just going to be events, which is going to be great. Well, and your business will grow from it, too, without question. And, you know, the, the connections that you're going to make there uh, will absolutely catapult yeah. your business and give you quite a bit more uh, insight to how other agents are operating within within the brand within the brand because that's, yeah. that's been the key for us as well is learning how to not just leverage the brand but learning how to operate within it well that is the, leveraging you know but that also is, yeah um, just the little the little nooks and crannies the, the little things that you don't even think of sometimes mm-hmm. you know sometimes I still don't even I struggle to even remember certain things that are going on and the connection between different places and different events right. is unbelievable. 
right. at that point. And uh, I was at the, we were at the Real Logics office. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we did that little panel session up yeah. there, which was yeah. a lot of fun. It was. Um, but chatting to a lot of people, have, a lot of people didn't know how separate the Vancouver market was from the Portland mm-hmm. market. And Correct. Um, I think there's, there's some great people up there to get to know as well, mm-hmm. which, will, which will be really good. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, what are you look most looking forward to the rest of this year, apart from Gianni? The sun to come out. So I was just about to say, if Vegas is going to do anything, it's going to increase my happiness because oh. I haven't seen the sun in six months. Listen, I'm some third generation born and raised here in Oregon. I still struggle around this time of the year. I mean, it's been a wet one. Yeah. It really has. And so uh, I'm... I'm a sun girl. I like yeah. the sunshine, so I'm looking forward to that, just to keep it kind of light. But, yeah. you know, I think this year is going to be great. I, I enjoy all the different seasons, if you will, mm-hmm. of real estate, you know, where you're working on your business, working on your practices, you know, your uh, your processes and procedures. I, I love to perfect that. Mm-hmm. And just not so much adding more to it, but taking away to simplify yeah. That's, I think, the the key there. Um, you know, I, I love spring and summer as far as from a market standpoint. Yeah. Just, there's a lot more activity. That, a lot more happening. People are out. People are looking. There's more engagement. And right. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to hear some of your stories. So oh, let's... Uh, we want to know, Harvey. Uh, we we want to know some stories. <laughs> now we're getting into now it. Now we're getting into <laughs> the deep stuff here. Let's talk about some stories because everybody... Okay. Um, I have so many, and we are such a story-based team mm-hmm. in the sense of everybody has a story in real estate in terms of clients. Um, yeah, everybody has their journey. We don't know what it is until, until it happens, but right. um, yeah, there's a couple that, uh, if, you, if you listen to the episodes as well, when they start coming out, um, you'll hear some of those, and they're quite ridiculous. Really? Too. Yeah. What's the most ridiculous one? Cliff Note version. Oh, most ridiculous. Well, I mean, right <laughs> now, uh, I have a client who's... I, I love him. He's great. But he is currently under contract for his third property in 10 days. Mm-hmm. And he has had an inspection on each one. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's gone in on a house, which it is perfect for him. Mm-hmm. But it is not perfect for anyone else. There is carpet yeah. in the garage. The garage is built into three different rooms. Wow. The, the guy who lives there is a tinkerer. And, mm-hmm. and he loves this, but what he wants, my client, he wants no maintenance anywhere. The backyard doesn't have a single shred of grass. Oh, yeah, I can relate. That, you know, so <laughs> um, that that's what he loves, and, and that's great. And it's been an interesting couple of months process mm-hmm. trying to find the right one. Yeah. And then we didn't, I think we offered on, we were about to offer on a house, and it was listed at 525, and there were 14 offers in two days, going 100,000 above cash and he's this a five, recently yeah this was a month oh, ago was it? Oh, okay a month ago yeah and uh he's 550 cash he's 550 to 600 cash mm-hmm. and this house had 14 offers going up to over 600 cash so we didn't end up Crazy. putting the offer in yeah um but then to go from nothing for a period of sort of two three months to oh we love this house wait we love this house wait we love this house yeah uh, and he asked me if he set the record for um you know amount of homes a client is under contract for in a month. I was like, mate, you set it for a year, let alone a month. Like, no one's under contract for three different homes in a, in a month. That right. doesn't happen. Hey, you're doing his due diligence. Yeah. I think that's great. That's but money well spent. All those, it yeah. is. It is. They found yeah. the right one. Uh, let's see. So interesting stories. You know, I'm always, it's, 
what I notice about stories is that typically it's someone where you're looking for a story to tell. So I watched this podcast the other day. It was actually the um, the owner of The Win. Mm-hmm. And one thing that they do with their employees is every day they have a meeting for about 10 minutes with the different departments. And they say, hey, everybody, tell me your tell me your best story. How did you, you know, how did you, tell me a story, tell me a story. And this, uh, what do you call it, the bellman, mm-hmm. you know, they take your luggage yeah. from the car to the front. Uh, the husband and wife, this older couple, they said, oh, my gosh, we forgot our medicine bag. It's on the table at home. We have to go back. And the bellman said, wait a second. Where do you live? And they lived about seven hours away by car. Or maybe that was round trip. It was about three and a half, four hours. Yeah. And he said, no problem. Do you know where it is? Anyway, he, he said, I have a brother who lives not too far from there. I will send him. If there's someone at your house, I will send him to go get your medicine bag. And what time do you need it back here? He said, we have to have it by 7 a.m. My husband's diabetic. It has his medication. And this... This employee of the wind did that. He got in his car. He drove all the way there. He didn't have a brother. He created this. Yeah. He drove there. He picked it up from their housekeeper, drove it all the way back, drove all night. It was four hours each way. Got it there by 7 a.m. Instantly, when when these employees tell this story, they print a picture of the employee. They tell the story, you know, in the back room, if you will. I think they call it back of the house in the casino talk. And... (laughs) If you don't think that that employee, because he was recognized by his peers, he was congratulated, you know, he, he created a really amazing story for these guests, they're never going to feel the same about the win again. They're always going to feel great about it because he created that story because that was the ultimate in service. Um, and he feels more confident, you know, he's being recognized. So I think that when you're always out looking for how can I best serve my client, you know, that's how you create these stories. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because you, you keep telling them. We take them forward to. Right. Um, there was one a couple of October, not last year, the year before, um, and they called us up and said we want to make an offer on a house. Mm-hmm. Never met them before. Not really our clients at that point. Right. But it was a million fifty in Felida. Like, Can you write it for us? Mm-hmm. Like, well, let's make sure you really want to see this. You know, you really want to make an offer on this house. Right. They haven't bought a house in twenty five years, so we went to see it. Husband was so quiet. I just, I couldn't get a read on him at all. Mm-hmm. So nice, but I couldn't get a read on him. Right. She loved it. Kids loved it. Um, I took him to three other homes. We're in the fourth home, and they were, no, no, we want to offer on that first house. It took two days of negotiating, but we got to a million two. Mm-hmm. There were six offers. Mm-hmm. They got the house. Wow. 30 seconds after, he said, he called me and said, pull the offer. I don't want to buy the house. Oh, something else came up. No, nothing else came up. He just didn't want to buy the house. It wasn't the house for them. Right. Well, for him anyway, yeah. he, but he couldn't articulate it at all. Right. We spent six months looking at homes. That's okay. At that point, which was fine. Yeah. But we went through, and there were a bunch that she liked that he just was very quiet on all of them. And right. And I very quickly realized that unless he was loud in the beginning, this wasn't the right house. Mm-hmm. Or even, it, no, not at all. And yeah. then we walked into this house in a gated community in Ridgefield. And within 45 seconds, he, was he said, one. wow. I'd never heard him say wow before. Ah, and so at that point, go. I was like, okay, okay, well, yeah. I think we're onto something here. Yeah. And within two and a half minutes, he, he looked at me and said, yeah, I want to buy this house. Perfect. The problem was, they had plenty of money, mm-hmm. but because they hadn't bought a house in 25 years, and they were only really going to shop in the one, two, one, three range, they weren't approved to be non-contingent above 1.5, and this was at 1.6. 
Oh. And there was an offer on the table expired that day, and the seller took it. Mm-hmm. But we said, if it's the right house, it will come back to you. Right. If you it have is to right, trust in the process. You have to trust the process that yeah. if it is the right house, it will come back to you. Right. And we looked at quite a few homes in the next two weeks. Almost three weeks after, the listing agent called us and said, are your buyers still interested? The other oh, buyers are walking away. Oh, their house. And it was their house. Yeah. And they've never been happier. Yeah. And I use this example because we had some clients driving down from Centralia six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And Thursday, a house came back on the market. Arranged the show for Saturday morning, 9 a.m. 8.30, they're driving down, and the listing agent texts me and said, hey, go ahead and show up, but the sellers have accepted another offer mm. at asking price. And I was sitting there thinking, why would they do that? That makes no sense. My right. cl- our clients were livid. We almost lost the clients because of it at that point. But I stood in there saying, yeah. if it's the right house, it'll come back to you. If it's not... We'll find something else. Mm-hmm. And they just, you could see in the face, they just didn't believe it. They didn't believe it in any way, shape or form. Right. And then uh, 10 days later, another house came on the market in a different neighborhood called First Place. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, 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 this is the house. Right. And they made an offer yeah, day one to, yeah. and they got it. Yeah. And two days after the contract was signed, the seller got another offer that was better than ours off, our offer. Ah. And I was like, see how it goes around? See yeah. how it goes around here? Yeah. You know, it was not the right house for those people who missed, but for you guys, this was right. Right. But going through those stories and carrying those stories mm-hmm. through journeys with people, um, sure. some people may not trust it in the beginning, but trust you, in the process. You have to trust in the process, and you have to have enough tools in your toolbox in order to you know, carry it through. So I... I, I've used this story, so you asked me, and I told the story about somebody else that we don't even know, but I just thought it was a great example. <laughs> it's you a know. great story. Yeah, it is a great story. Yeah. Um, so my most, I think just off the top of my head, my most interesting story is I got a call. I was, you know, new, newer-ish from someone, and I thought I was getting punked, and he said, this gentleman said, you know, I've, I've tried to sell my property off and on for 10 years. It's on, it's on acreage. You know, it's about an hour away from where I live and from where I live. And he said, I've done my research. I've been told you're the person that I should talk to. And I'm thinking, who are you talking to? (laughs) (laughs) Who are you talking to? To this day, I still don't know who recommended me to this client. And at the time, so I was still dealing with this situation that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. And so I had, I brought on a more seasoned agent who I really respected and Joe writes again, I said, Joe, I'm getting ready to go into a, a long court battle, and I know that I'm not going to be available 100%. I haven't even met this client yet, but I'm telling you right now, if I can get, if I am able to work with this client, I would like to work this together with you because I've, this is going to be all hands on deck on both sides of my life. And yeah. so it just was, it made more sense. Plus, I was scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, pull the trail, do the thing. Um, turns, turns out... That that particular year, Joe and I set the record for the state. We had the highest residential sale with acreage. Not the highest residential sale, mm-hmm. but the highest residential sale on acreage in the state, $5.9 million. And I sold it twice. You sold it twice? <laughs> Meaning, yes. So I, I drive down and I look at this property and I think, this is absolutely gorgeous. It had so many interesting, unique carefully curated elements to it. It was a very buyer-specific property. So you know what I'm saying when you read between the lines with that, right? Beautiful property. 
absolutely stunning, amazing people. They had a dream to live in Europe. And so in order to do that, they really wanted to cut ties with their Oregon property. So, so there were two houses on the property. There was a caretaker home and it was dividable. So, you know, Joe and I pitched to them that, you know, we can sell this all as one. We can also package it as two, Mm -hmm. you know, go through the process of dividing the property. First buyer, seller carried contract, COVID hits, dissolves his company, basically annihilated overnight, this poor man's company. So we come up with a plan that, you know, we will separate the property. You can buy the caretaker home property, and then we're going to remarket the main house okay. and, the, and the acreage, right? So did that, and we're able to sell it. You know, oddly enough, we did at one point, we did a um, luxury auction. And, you know, they say, and and I had never done one of those before, and they say to the seller, you know, you have the right, if you're not happy with the amount of qualified bidders that show up for this, you have the right to stop the the auction up to 30 seconds before, I think is like the cutoff. And we had a great turnout. We had some heavy hitters here in Oregon, and he called it off. He called it off? I'm never going to sell this property. Oh, no. He called it off. But there's a reason why this man is so successful, because he he gets it. So so he utilized that. He just didn't have a good feeling about it. And, you know, in in life, you have to trust your gut. Absolutely. We were able to sell it, and and the client was very happy. And he, of course, ended up working with the Sotheby's International Realty Agent in Europe. Very happy there. I'm actually flying over to, to as a pit stop to see them on my way to another oh, country. Nice. That's later. Amazing. Yeah, this fall. Yeah. So it was really great. And I and his story was so interesting. I can't really share it, but uh, it was just a really incredible example of you don't have to have every opportunity laid out in front of you to see what kind of life you can have. In fact, some of the most successful people I know have pretty rough beginnings, mm-hmm. and took that. And your pain can be. There's, there's purpose to all of our pain in life, and it can either be, I've thought, well, my pain can either be an anchor or it can be a propeller, Absolutely. and only I get to decide which one it's going to be, yep. and so if you just keep remembering that, you know, and reminding yourself that there's, there's a, a process and there's, there's a purpose for this, yeah. for this pain that we all go through, it's the human experience, and to, to come out of that and have these great successes, I'll give you another really quick one. Um, so I've always really relied heavily on social media. I love social media. I think uh-huh. social media is great, especially when you leverage it, you know, to, to showcase giving the proverbial, you know, um, digital hug, if you will. Yeah. people. And so I oftentimes have been asked, why do you share so much on your social media? Well, because I'm an open book. And so why wouldn't I be to me? Yeah. It doesn't seem authentic. It's not who I am. It doesn't feel right. It's hard for me to write about just properties. You know, I'm going to share my my stories. You know, in a in a way that part of it too. They're not just coming to us to to work with us. No, for, we're for not that. just robots. We're people. Just, yeah, we're people. We're There's people. a whole side to us. Yeah. Of, of things we do outside of the office and outside of our job. Yeah. Listen, the, the the real estate's just the vessel to get me in front yeah. of people so I can help them. Yeah. I want to help people live the life that they want to live. So I get a call. This woman calls. She says, I'm coming up to Cal- from California. I would like to see some properties. My husband and I are considering three different markets in three different states. Do you work XYZ market? I said, yes, of course I do. How am I? And I said, um, you know, how'd you find me? And she said, well, I found you on Instagram. Oh, okay. Like, oh, okay. So she comes up, and I show her property. We narrow it down to three. 
and then her husband comes up separately. They had two small children at home at the time. And I took them on a helicopter ride to see downtown Portland because I thought, oh, yeah, the cherry blossoms are blooming. We'll fly over the, the, the zoo. He can really get an idea. And one of the properties that they were considering was on that tour. I've taken quite a few clients on that tour. And earlier in the day I had said, so your wife tells me you're in tech. What do you what do? Because do? to me that kind of just goes right over my head. Because, yeah. well, I created a company and I sold it to a larger company. Oh, okay, cool. Not really knowing what I was understanding. And later in the day, he, I was trying to fuss around with my iPhone. And he says, don't you ever use Siri for that? And I said, nah, I haven't figured that out yet. It was new technology at that point. Okay. I'm aging myself. <laughs> so <laughs> after the helicopter ride, you know, we're driving around and I was, you know, wrapping up the day, if you will. And, and I, he said, you know, you asked me earlier what it is that I do. And I said, yeah, I know you're in tech and you sold a company. He says, well, I, I, my partner and I, we invented Siri. Amazing. It's like, I feel so bad. I don't use Siri. So now I use Siri all the time. <laughs> and it was just so interesting. And I thought, I would have never have guessed mm-hmm. that this kid, that that was what he did. And so, again, it was just another reminder really early on in my career. I don't ever judge anyone. Don't ever judge a book by their cover. You know, some, no, of the, never. Yeah. some of my most you know logical clients and biggest buyers and sellers are driving dirty pickup trucks with dirt underneath their nails. And, yeah. You know, you'd never think twice, but you just no. never know. You never, you never know who know. you're dealing so with. So those clients who missed out on the house at 1.6 and then got it, yeah, um, like they rocked up to the house. Nicest people ever. Oh, that's great. If you if you looked at them, you would, you never would think right multi millionaires. Right. You know, at that point. And then when we got evidence of funds for the deal, I looked at that and thought, oh, oh you could buy four of these for cash if you really wanted to. Um, <laughs> those but are the that's best the, people. Those best people. They were so great. That's the best people. Yeah. Um, and they've got an amazing house for their kids going forward. But, that's um, great. That's great. So Good. appreciate the time. Thanks for, oh, thanks for coming you. on here. It's yeah, been great. It's fun. Um, we'll definitely catch up again soon. I would like that very much. All right. It sounds like in Vegas. I think so in Vegas in a few days' time. Yeah. If I can catch you. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. In the sea of 4,000 Sotheby's agents yeah, somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, All right, appreciate for having it. Me.